Have you ever felt like God was answering the prayers of people around you while seemingly completely ignoring your prayers? Uh, You use the right recipes that you've heard about, you know, to get your guaranteed answers. Uh, Prayed, fasted, cried, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And still nothing. Well, what is all of that about, right? Where does, where does God get off ignoring me? Um, his most, most faithful of servants. Now, I'm being a little uh, facetious when I speak that way, but that's really the thought process um, and what I want to talk about today. Um, this thought process of ignored prayers why is God ignoring me? Did God ignore me? Why aren't my prayers being answered? So that's what we're going to talk about today as we muse. question even mean? Uh, it seems simple, but let's really diagnose uh, what someone means when they ask this question. Why isn't or why didn't God answer my prayer? Um, so what are people talking about when they when they make a statement like that? Uh, firstly, some people are wondering why God doesn't just say yes or no. You know, um, like I said, people in Christ, you know, people who do accept Christ sometimes wonder, God, just say yes or no. Um, speak audibly or give me some very evident sign um, of some kind. So that's what some people mean. Uh, we'll get to some reasons, but let's just start off with the thoughts first. Um, secondly, uh, I would say most people are wondering why God didn't answer their prayers favorably. Now, usually when people want to know why God didn't answer their prayer, this more times than not is what they're talking about. Why didn't God give me what I asked him for? Um, Why didn't God just make happen what I wanted to occur? So this this is kind of a thought process we'll be primarily considering because this is what I think most people mean. God, why didn't you just give me what I asked for? So before we look uh, to answer these questions, um, let's consider something that is extremely important, something that as Christians, we need to remind ourselves of again and again and again, because we get wrapped up in ourselves so much that we often forget this very important point. What's that point? God is God. And beholden to no one uh meaning to to stake your faith or belief on a reply from god it shows a lack of faith um but it it also shows that there is a lack of 
understanding as to who God is. This is oddly enough very important because Christians often forget this thought process. God is God. He owes you nothing. Quite the contrary, um, he gifted us Christ. He gifted us salvation, reconciliation, and therefore we owe him. So this strange thought process that Christians continue to pass down through generations that God owes us something um, is responsible in large part to these lack of faith type of things where, hey, God, you were supposed to do this and that. Look, God is God, and we see God being God from Genesis to Revelation. And, I mean, it's awesome that he is God. If, if we really consider how uh, fickle we are, you know, how much we change our minds from day to day, um, it's just an awesome thought process that God will remain to be God and not be bullied by us. Um, but when you think about it, I mean, you just consider you have humans in your life that don't respond in what you feel is a timely manner and you can do nothing about it, right? How can you hold God to a standard or rather, how can you try to hold God to a standard that you can't even hold other humans to? You ever thought about that? So I'm going to bully God. God, I asked you this yesterday or today or something's coming up tomorrow that you're supposed to deal with. How dare you not? You can't even do that with all humans and we're going to do that to God? No. Thankfully, God is not that. Um, whether or not God chooses to answer you or me or whoever is completely up to him. Not only so, though, many questions that we have have already been answered through Scripture. Now, there's a huge point right there. A lot of times we're just being lazy, right? All we have to do is read his word sometimes to have an answer for certain things. Um, and actually, let's let's look at that thought process a little bit more. We have a whole book dedicated to truth, to wisdom, uh, words from God, you know, and, and the like. Uh, so while the Bible may not provide specifics for every situation we find our way into, there is more than likely a principle that would help guide our choices and decisions. More often than not, there's something in Scripture, there's some principle, there's something said that can help guide this prayer um, or guide me into the right answer that I'm seeking. So a, a lot of times we have to ask ourselves, is it that God isn't answering me or is it just that I'm really not willing to seek um, understanding. I just want him to meet my needs the way I want. Um, consider a famous scripture uh, that you've probably heard again and again. Um, and maybe sometimes, again, I've said this before, but you hear a certain scripture so much that it loses meaning, uh, which is a horrible, horrible place to be in. Uh, but Psalm uh, the 119th Psalm, 105th verse, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, again, we hear it and we hear it and we hear it and we hear it. 
but does it really mean anything to us, you know, to actually say, yes, God, your word is a light. It's a light. It guides me. Well, in so many things, when it comes to God, give me an answer. If we really were considering um, his words and what he said and what he taught us life was about through Christ, the apostles, if we really were reading these words to apply, the crazy thing is there are so many um, answers to prayer that we're seeking that we would already have. Okay, so how can we honestly say we're seeking an answer from God without being willing to study his word in regard to our desire to understand something? Um, Another good one is uh, to consider is how Proverbs begins. So the book of Proverbs in the first chapter, and I just want to read the first few verses uh, because, I mean, it just kind of shares what we can be getting when we read scripture. Now, not all of scripture is this talking about, but a lot of it, especially where wisdom is concerned. So verse one starts off the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. So what he's doing here is talking about what are the Proverbs for? Okay. Um, sadly, it's not to decorate your wall with your favorite one or, you know, decorate your social media page. It's actually to be used when applicable. I mean, that's the reality of it. Verse four, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So there there we see um, just an example of the words that we had pretty much most of the things we ask God for. And we'll talk about some other things as well, but primarily most of the things we ask God for um, fall into one of these categories. God, I need wisdom. I need understanding. I need instruction. Um, whatever it is, it, what even the things we're asking about our lives uh, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. You know, a wise man will hear and increase learning. You know, these are the things that we can look at and say, okay. So if I study the scripture honestly, I should have the answers to most of the things most of the questions I'm seeking from God. And I mean, we're just beginning. There's so much more that we could say about that. But just to kind of continue the the thought process, um, because unfortunately, really, when we look at just kind of where we are, um, societally speaking, what you might find is that we're in the midst of a generation that is used to a Googled answer. Okay, immediate arrival, high speed Internet. I put it in and less than a second later, boom, I have an answer. And so we want God to treat us the same way. You know, if we could Google God, we absolutely would. You know, that's absolutely what so many Christians want. God, real quick, forget study, forget why. Just real quick, God, what do you think? 
you know, just I'm going to just throw this at you, God, and just real quick tell me what you think. And God is supposed to be sitting there waiting for us to do just that so he could jump right in and say, oh, right. Um, yeah, what you should do for that is, you know, just go this way and then turn left and that's you'll see what I want. That's what we're turning into a generation that is not seeking God, but a generation that is used to. OK, just give me an answer real quick. Um, forget study, forget understanding. Just go ahead and throw an answer uh, my way. Um, and, and here's the thing. I mean, as anxious as you may be for a reply, God is not anxious at all. Now, let me say this to me. I love that because as nervous, uncomfortable, scared as a decision or whatever is making me, God is in complete control. I mean, that if nothing else, that should make us breathe a sigh of relief um, as opposed to God. Where are you and what are you doing? Whoa, whoa. God is in complete control. And that alone should help ease some anxiety if we can if we can really believe that and embrace that and use that understanding, it really should work to just kind of calm us down, to, to, to allow us to be more faithful. See, you're looking at a decision that must be made right this moment, okay? Left or right, which way do I go? But with what faith does, it reminds us that God is with us whether we go left or right. When we're traveling within his will. So just consider that. Which way do I go, God? I'm coming up to a fork in the road. I don't know which way to go, left or right. Faith says it doesn't matter. He's with you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just just that's what faith reminds us of. Whether I whether left would have been quicker or not, God is still with me in that wrong decision if I'm within his will. Now, if I'm making decisions against him, I already know my answer anyway. So, I mean, already we're seeing some answers here because I already, if I know that this choice clearly is against him, why does he even need to say anything? His spirit lives within me and I should be convicted. Um, scripture is right there telling me what I should and shouldn't do. So I have my answer already. So to ask God for an answer regarding something that clearly is against him isn't even a sincere question. But when I am walking in his will and I'm traveling on that narrow road and I say, oh, I don't know whether to go left or right. Faith says, well, he's with you. Make your choice. I love that. I absolutely love that we can trust him that way. You know, however uh, quick of a decision we need to make if we're in that position. He's right there beside us. He's there before us. It really, I mean, in a manner of speaking, isn't that huge of a deal because he's with us either way. I love that. And but also, I mean, there's a there's there's another thing when we consider this and it popped in. I'll squeeze it here, but it, it, it changes the thought process a little bit. But there's a great deal of ignorance in regard to our petitions to God. OK, so there there's a great deal of ignorance when we consider um, the things that we ask God. And of course, we know scripture speaks of it. Romans 8, 26 um, speaks to us and it says, you know, the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we don't know what to pray for um, as we should. So the spirit himself makes intercession for us with with, with uh, intercessions for us with groanings 
that cannot be uttered. Um, that's a great scripture because, I mean, again, we have that help um, when we find ourselves. Because, I mean, so often we don't even know what we should pray for. Now, the interesting thing is um, when you consider, well, why? <laughs> right. I mean, well, what you know, what, what what reason is that? You know, why don't we know what why is this scripture true? As much as Christians practice praying, how could it be possible that we don't even know how to pray, right? How could that even be possible? Um, I think if we're truthful with ourselves, it's not even a mystery. Um, our focus, according to Christ in Matthew 6, is supposed to be on God's kingdom, giving no thought for tomorrow. Now, this is a moment to be honest with ourselves, okay? Is that really your focus, especially when you go to God in prayer? Just be honest with yourself for a moment, Okay. Our focus is supposed to be on God's kingdom, giving no thought for tomorrow. Most of our unanswered prayers are about what? Tomorrow. I mean, be honest with ourselves, right? Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Jesus says, seek ye first God's kingdom and he'll give you everything you need. He'll make sure that your needs are met so you can continue seeking his kingdom first. Giving no thought for tomorrow um, there's nothing that you can't change what's going to happen tomorrow. It's already there. Okay. Outside of little things that, yeah, if you go here, or don't go there. We know that those things can change. But as far as, um, Jesus said sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Um, whatever wickedness is going to happen tomorrow is going to happen tomorrow. He said, you focus on God's kingdom. All right. So it's not a mystery about why, uh, does the spirit have to pray for us? Because look what we're praying for. Look at the foolishness. Look at the selfishness. Look at the, the things that we pray for that are completely about this temporary kingdom. Most of our unanswered prayers are about tomorrow. Most of our unanswered prayers are in regard to the kingdom of this world. The, the, the things that we're told not to think about. Tomorrow and the kingdom of this world. Those two things, Jesus says, don't worry about that. And yet here we are going to God saying, hey, God, I got a question about this kingdom and tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, and then, God, why won't you answer me? It's already been answered. Stop worrying about that stuff. Stop giving yourself over to the kingdom of this world and see how much your prayers will change. I mean, what an amazing thought process. Why doesn't God answer my prayer? Well, what in the world are you asking him for? What type of answers have you been seeking? Is it about tomorrow? Is it about the kingdom of this world? Because Jesus already answered that in Matthew 6, where he said, seek first God's kingdom. Give no thought to tomorrow. Okay, so I mean, those are just right there. Most of our unanswered prayers, as we see them as being unanswered, are about the kingdom of this world. They're about what's going to happen tomorrow. So then we have another thought. And this is a, a weird one, but it kind of is we're almost inadvertently taught this when we're young. I mean, if we're raised in church and this, we have this thought that God is doing nothing else uh, aside from waiting for our petitions to come before him um, as though all day and night, God just simply waits for our prayers because he has nothing else to do. Um, these fictitious, childish ideas of God have created this attitude of, 
why is God delaying so much and for so many of us? Okay, for so many of us, this has created that thought process. God is just sitting there doing nothing, watching watching us like we're a TV program. Okay, he's sitting there watching us. Why didn't he answer? He has nothing else to do. Imagine the pride. Imagine the selfishness to actually believe that. Now, I understand the ignorance. Like I said, I remember feeling this way when I was young. God is just sitting there staring at us. Right. I mean, if you were raised in church, maybe you felt that way before. Maybe you still do. But I remember feeling that way, (laughs) that God is doing nothing but sitting there watching us on, you know, a billion different TV screens, just just staring at us. Um, So that childish thought process creates the, okay, God, I'm finally talking to you. Do something about it. So it's a, a misunderstanding of God, who God is, what is God doing when we hold him um, in that regard, you know, with that mentality. Um, and then, I mean, even with that, it doesn't help that there are a million sermons and, 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 you know, a thousand books on the topic, you know, guaranteeing that you will get an answer to prayer if you follow these, you know, few steps for the right price, right? So you bought it, you followed it, and now God is supposed to give you an answer, right? Because I, I listened to the sermon series. It was five parts about how to guarantee you get your prayer answered. And I also bought his book for $29.99, How to Guarantee Get My Prayer Answered. And so I did all that. And so I'm sitting here real quiet, you know, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm meditating or whatever it is. And, okay, where's the answer? Where's the answer? Well, that stuff has nothing to do with God. I mean, it's a, I'm sure that person was able to sell a lot of books. But is it really what we learn in Scripture? So we get all these things, we listen to all this stuff, and then, okay, I'm going to guaranteed get an answer to my prayer. Well, in the book, I hope it says something like, make sure this isn't something that has already been answered. Make sure you don't just want a different answer because you don't like what Scripture says. Hopefully those prayer books say stuff like that, as opposed to, yeah, just sit real quiet, confess your sin, you know, do all this other stuff, and then guarantee God will answer you. Hopefully they deal with some of those other aspects as well. I wouldn't know. I've read a, I've read one early on in my Christian walk, and I mean honestly, it was little more than Eastern meditation. You know, sit real quiet, confess your sin, repeat the same thing over and over in your mind, and then you'll hear a small voice that's like yes or no. That's nonsense. I mean, it's absolute nonsense. Uh, it, it's not biblical, let me say, um, which makes it nonsense from a Christian perspective, but. That's the only one I've ever read. And then I was like, okay, this is nonsense. Um, Because we so often, like I said, it's these other things. What are we asking for? What is it uh, about? Right. And I mean, you think about it and you look at the the ignorance sometimes and and, uh, innocent ignorance. Um, And it's evident when we petition God um, in regard to worldly matters that have no bearing on God's kingdom. Let's get specific with that. Let's get a little specific with that. Um, God, should I accept this job or this one? Now, as sincere as it sounds, I've prayed these prayers too, so I've been there. This isn't making fun. I've been here. Uh, Then you learn, right? You learn and you grow. But that's a good one though, right? Uh, God, should I take this job or this one? Now, as sincere as it sounds, this is a selfish question most of the time. (laughs) Most of the time, it doesn't matter when neither job will further God's kingdom. Just pick one. <laughs> I mean, just honestly, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So here I am. 
uh, yeah, God, I'm not really concerned about your kingdom. This is all about my kingdom. I've got a great opportunity here, but I like my job here. That one gives me more money, but this one I can live where I want. You know, we've been trying to add on to the house. So, if I, so we're adding all, asking all these worldly things. That's why I wanted to go, which job? Because I'm trying to build my worldly kingdom. So neither one will further God's kingdom. Just choose one. And here I am, God, please answer me, God, please. Okay, God, I got a week left to make a decision. God, answer me, do something, a sign, you know, uh, just do something so I can see it. And the answer is uh, just pick one. This has nothing to do with my kingdom, God is saying. What I want for you to do is focus on my kingdom in the midst of that job you have to have because we live in a corrupt world, so we got to pay for stuff. This is just how it is. So in the midst of that, I want you to be focusing on my kingdom, says God. And yet here we are and we go, church, please pray for this. I'm trying to I mean, this is what we do. And we flood God with these types of questions and wonder why we're still on our knees with no reply. Right, God, God, should I should I have spaghetti for dinner or, or salad? You know, should I eat a salad, God, or can I do pizza? What I mean, what are you talking about? These questions don't require answers from God as they have no bearing on his kingdom or your spiritual walk. The food one is just an example. That could be extreme. I don't. I don't know if people pray that or not. But I mean, just an example, okay? And we'll look. We'll look more into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like I said, we want to know, and what we want to know is, why am I not getting my answer right? I mean, that well, so often it's because what are you asking for? What are you asking for? These are some simple things. These are some of the, the the easier reasons when we really ask God, okay, so why isn't God answering my prayers after I've done all this stuff? These are the things we have to really consider. Look at what I'm asking him. Is it selfish? Is it about this world? Has scripture already answered it? Probably about 80% of Christians who feel, of the saints, who feel that God isn't answering their prayer, their prayers could be answered if they simply obeyed scripture and searched scripture and didn't have a worldly mentality, probably about 80% will be taken care of right away. Probably. But let's get to those questions we asked earlier. Okay, so let's get to the questions from the top and then let's get down to some answers. So remember the two questions, why doesn't God just say yes or no? And how come the second question, why isn't he just giving me what I want? So let's uh, let's look at these questions now. Let's see if we can get some answers, and also let's um, let's work some more scripture. And scripture is great. I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about: how we don't use scripture um, in the way that we ought so often. Um, but to the question, why doesn't God just say yes or no, or give me some you know clear cut sign or something like that? Now, I'm not going to address people who feel they have received clear signs and such. This is strictly for those who feel like um, they've been asking God important questions and he merely doesn't reply. That's what we're, we're talking about. The first thing about this, this yes or no question, why doesn't God simply say yes or no? Or just when I wake up in the morning on my ceiling will be, you know, I'll, the word painted, you know, go ahead and do it or whatever it is. Why doesn't God just do stuff like that? Here's the first thing, and it's all throughout Scripture, especially when we look at uh, Hebrews. Our relationship with God is one that's based on faith, not on sight. Okay, 
Um, you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, where it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, right there, that's key. Our relationship with God is based on faith, not sight. We must believe that God is and that he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. So we're seeking him with diligence. Okay, we're we're really going about trying to. Okay, God, what do you actually want? As opposed to God, can you help me out with this real quick? Right. Second Corinthians five, you know, goes with that same thought process. Verse seven, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, so by faith, we move by faith. We do by faith. We live when we are living according to God's will. Now, here's a a sad uh, point we have to go aside and say, because as Christians, which the word itself should mean that we're following Christ, that we look like Christ. So it should go without saying that we're living within God's will. Sadly enough, it doesn't go without saying because so many Christians don't live within God's will. Um, so this is a huge one. That has to be said when we're living according to God's will, we're living by faith, not by sight. So this thought process God, give me a yes or no. Well, well, I live by faith. God, do what you want. This is what I want to. This is what I need to know, God, in this life, as far as my role in your kingdom or, oh, God, something came up. I'm a little confused. I should be used to living by faith. And my faith should be being increased as I live by faith more and more. So when I'm seeking his kingdom first, when I'm living according to his will, I'm living by faith in every aspect of life. I'm living by faith. Okay, so we pray for guidance, understanding, and direction as we move by faith. Then, by his spirit, he will intervene as necessary according to his will. It's so simple when we do it the right way. I mean, just honestly, you know, if we do it the right way and don't get me wrong. I mean, Christian books can really be a help in explaining things and stuff like that. You'll see some Christian books on this site. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's just it's often so simple. Okay, when we how can I get God to answer my prayer? will live by faith according to his will, seeking first his kingdom. And a lot of times you almost feel like I didn't even have to ask. Just as I was about to ask him, boom, it was right there. I already know. That's the reality of it because his spirit lives in us. The bigger thing is, are you honestly seeking to live for him? So our prayers are for guidance, understanding, direction as we move. And then God says, okay, this is what needs to be done as he wills. I mean, that's important. As far as the yes or no goes, I mean, we remember what Jesus told his disciples in the 14th chapter of John. Um, In verse 30, he says, I will no longer talk much with you for the rule of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. We're living within that same reality, though he was speaking to his apostles. We're living within that same reality where um, this is a period of test. You know, this is a period where we are not hearing audibly from God. It's not new. Um, I know a lot of people make out 
out as though they are, most of them are just lying. Okay, Jesus said this is not going to be happening much. We're living in the time period where we live by faith. We have our instruction and we're supposed to operate within the instruction that we already have until Christ returns. We see it in the parables, right? Where Jesus speaks of uh, the the lamps that weren't trimmed, right? And of the, the ruler who went away, you know, with the talents. We see it in those examples. These people weren't spoken to. They were given instruction and were expected to follow the instruction until the Lord returned. That's where we are living. That's the time period we're living in. Okay, so a lot of people attempt to mask faithlessness by saying, I'm just seeking an answer. And the question, are you or are you truly asking God to prove himself to you? I hear that way more than I should hear it from Christians. You know, Um, if God is, then he should have done this. I prayed and he said nothing. Now I don't believe as God is as if God is going to come running back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was busy that day. Please give me another chance. That's not God. Like I said, that's not even most humans. And let alone God is going to come crawling back to you. You can't sugarcoat the truth. It doesn't help. So that's for some people. They're they're asking is just faithlessness. They don't expect anything. They're giving God a chance. God, prove yourself now. If you're God, talk to me. Tell me this or that. If you're God, where were you when this happened? How about that? You know, ooh, we just got God. Well, no, God has no reason um, to prove himself to us. He has no reason to run back to us um, apologizing. He has done nothing wrong. We can talk about that more um, another time, though. Uh, but but all that said, many of our prayers are answered before we even ask them. OK, um, you know, in your uh, conundrum, which choice honors God? Boom, you got your answer. Do that one. It's that simple when the, when it when it's that clear, this honors God, that doesn't. All right. Now, you know which one to do the end. Goodbye. Now go do it. Now ask him for guidance as you do that right thing. Now ask him for patience and for peace, uh, because maybe this isn't the option that you wanted, but it clearly honors God. And now so I'm doing that one. Whew, God help me. This is going to be rough because I really wanted to do that other thing. That's a faithful prayer. And it's answered almost immediately because, well, which one honors God? When we have a clear distinction between two options, of course, when we have that clear distinction, go with the one that honors God. Prayer answered. Good night. Okay. Um, now, sometimes it's 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 less clear, right? Uh, you know, uh, which church should I choose? Okay. Well, in that, I mean, though it may be less clear, now we get to the other area of, well, follow scripture, right? Which one closer adheres to God's word? But to find that out, you're going to have to do some studying for yourself, all right? Um, forget about the preaching style. Oh, this preacher is funny. Well, so what? I mean, is did you go there for comedy? Well, the choir's great. You go there for music, just buy a CD or, or you know, pull it up on something. Uh, it's not about that. Which of these churches is set on teaching and applying God's word, holding one another accountable and exhorting one another daily? All right, there you go. Scripture has already told you which one to choose. So while it's not as easy as this honors God and this doesn't, it's still easy if we're seeking him through scripture. Okay, 
both of the preachers were great. I mean, they were they were funny. They were energetic. I mean, uh, okay, whoa, whoa. Which one of them were teaching God's word in a way that can be applied? There you go. Which group of people um, get together and hold one another accountable and exhort one another to obey God? Hold each other accountable in the world. Don't just say, oh, it's, yeah, I, I, I get it. I see why you. No, 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 no. Who's holding each other accountable, exhorting one another, doing things that honor God? The answer's already there. Just open up scripture. Okay, this is what it should look like. All right, I just moved to this area. I'm looking for a church to choose. Okay, sure, pray about it, God. Give me direction and show me in your word what I should be looking for. It's already there. It's already there what I should be getting out of a group of brothers and sisters in Christ. God is our father. It's already there what I ought to be looking for. So leave the superficial stuff alone. You know, they have a great Easter program. Yeah, who cares? What does that have to do with anything? Every single day, are they offering some sort of teaching or exhortation or encouragement? Not just Sunday and Wednesday, but all the time. Is there some way you can be encouraged, someone you can speak? That's how I know where I ought to be. See, so these answers are already there. OK, um, you know, you, you want you want to sign, you know, about uh, that 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 person. Right. That's been trying to take you out. Well, do they know God? Do they truly follow Christ? The answers are already there. OK, the answers are already there for these bigger questions. Do they love God? What do they talk about? Now, again, what do you talk about is also an issue. But if you're you really um, seek God's kingdom first and that's what your conversation is about. All right. This person who's interested in you, um, what do they talk about? OK, God, I just want to know, is this the right one? Well, is it? Look at what they talk about. Look at what they love. Look at how their lives are. Now you come back and say, all right, God, I got the answer to this. Yeah, this one was pretty easy. This person doesn't care about God. They don't care about you at all. I mean, the answers are usually already there. Now you want to know what shoes you should wear? Don't pray about that. Just pick some shoes. Who cares? Okay. God, which house should I buy? Who cares? Just pick a house. I mean, here's the thing. This is trust and faith that's the kingdom of this world uh, based on whatever decisions you want in the world. Okay. This is a dangerous area. This area, I don't know, the school, whatever you want to. Okay. Whatever. Right. Because if you're choosing, if you're making these decisions in faith, God is with you. Okay. God is with you. We make those decisions all the time. Okay. God, we have to trust that God is with us. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. Um, learn to trust God with the trivial and study to follow him with the kingdom issues. That's what we need to be doing. All right. But now let's look at that next question. Why didn't God answer my prayer favorably? So this is the, the main one. Right. Why didn't God say yes to my prayer? OK, I get it. Why he doesn't say yes or no. And I understand he doesn't owe me anything. Yeah, I get all that stuff. Uh you know, uh, but why, though, is he not answering me with yes? Um, why isn't he making this thing happen for me that I want?
to happen. Now, for the faithful saint, the key here is trust. Okay, so let's start with that one because the key is always trust. The thing we have to understand first, God lives on the opposite side of our trivialities. Okay, it's just that simple. God does not live within our trivial nature. He's on the other side of that. And if we're honest, we have some very trivial, unimportant things that we go to him about. Just take a minute and let's be honest with ourselves. All right, so I mean, let's leave that alone for now. Um, because I know a lot of people find comfort in, in, in talking to God about useless stuff. So let's just leave it for now. But the reality is God is unmoved with the trends of the of the times. Okay? Um, he, he's unmoved by that. Uh, wavering moments, doubt, or, or, or any, you know, thing like that. And, and and here's the thing. For those reasons alone, we should be able to trust in his decisions. Because he doesn't waver. He doesn't doubt. He is all wise and he is eternal. So if that's true, then we kind of have to ask the question, how foolish of us is it to not trust his decisions? Even in the face of our desires. Okay. If we can truly say he's unmoved by trend, he doesn't waver, he's perfectly wise, then I should that much more be able to trust his decisions. You know what? I got a great scripture for you as far as that goes. Just to show you that this isn't even just about weaker Christians. Look at look, let's look at Christ himself. Let's do the one in Mark 14. Go to verse 32 and we'll just just read this. So it says they came to a place which was called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples Jesus did sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little farther and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Did you hear what Jesus just prayed? God, I don't want this to happen. Let's go another way. So here we have Jesus himself asking something of God, right? Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't God say yes? We're here we have Christ petitioning God for something that he wants not to happen. But look at his attitude. So 35, he says, if it's possible, let's go another way. Let's not do it this way. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Look at this. What is he asking? Let's not do this. He's asking God to change his plans. Jesus is asking God the Father to change his mind. But 36 doesn't end there. It goes on to say, nevertheless, not what I want, but your will be done. This is probably one of the strongest scriptures for us as far as prayer goes, because here we learn something from Christ. Acceptance of God's wisdom and God's will. Jesus can accept God's. Now, just think about it. We have the benefit here of seeing the end of that. In God saying no to Jesus, as it were, we have eternal life. We have reconciliation. We have salvation. See what I mean when you look at the bigger pit? Why should we be able to trust? For the same reason that Jesus could trust. Because even though Jesus at that moment was feeling very human, he said, but you know what? I know you know better. Your will be done. We should be able to say the same thing with our prayers. Nevertheless, God, whatever you want. We see how it benefited with Christ. Here we are saved those of us who accept 
the reconciliation through faith in Jesus Christ. Here we are free of the bondage of the weight of the guilt of the penalty of sin. Because God didn't say, okay, Jesus, my son, you got it. We'll go another way. This cut will pass. Come on back. You're done. No, God knew this was the best way to bring reconciliation to us. And he said, this has to be done. That scripture is of paramount importance when discussing prayer. It simply is. You almost have to mention it because it speaks so directly. Um, it speaks so directly to the attitude that we should have trust and faith. Okay, now the next thing to consider, next scripture, Galatians chapter 2, um, to me, this is a very huge one. Verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why is that so huge? Well, as I ask God for this, that, or the other, I should realize that this is no longer my life. So even as I ask God for this and that, I should do it under the realization that I've surrendered this life to him. Romans 12, right? The first couple of verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I've accepted this gift. Now I've given myself to Christ as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service. This makes sense. This is what I owe. I mean, these two scriptures right here, I mean, th this is absolutely huge stuff. This is no longer, it's no longer I who live, Christ lives in me. So as I ask for this prayer and I say, God, why aren't you giving me this? Is this something that the new me is saying, the new creature? Or is that the old man concerned about the flesh and the fleshly kingdom? Living sacrifice. Pre I presented myself a living sacrifice, my reasonable service, to do what would please God. I am no longer given only to my own devices. My prayers should mirror this reality. It absolutely should. My prayer should be in accordance with the understanding that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay, now let's discuss another thought process. Um, this one in James in the fourth chapter. Uh, you might know this one starting at verse two. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and can't obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. He keeps going. You ask and don't receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. That you may consume it on your own lusts and desires. James goes on, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, you may have read these scriptures and never really looked at it like, what well, you know, this has something to do with prayer. But look at it through that context, okay? You ask and don't have because you're asking wrong. Okay, that's a miss. You're asking wrong. Because you're asking that you may absorb it, consume it on your own lust absolutely flesh 
what an awesome point by James here. Your prayers are not answered favorably, you know, yes, because you're asking that you may consume it on your own self, your own kingdom, your own worldly desires. Then he gives a warning, adulterers and adulteresses, making a friendship with the world creates enmity with God. It gives us a reason to go against God because I want this in the world that God may not want for me. So important is this scripture, honestly. I mean, this scripture is so important in regard to prayer because so often we find ourselves in this position where we're asking completely amiss, completely to consume it on ourselves, for our own kingdom, for our own loves and our own desires, having nothing to do with God. In spite of the warning, don't you know that becoming a friend with the world will cause you to be God's enemy by your choice? Is it still worth it? Do I still, God, just say yes? And he won't say yes because he knows that I'm going to be consumed by this thing. Very important scripture there. One last thing, though, that, that I, would, I would consider. There are times when we're just being tested, okay? We're, we're, we're just being tested for, for strength. Um, sometimes when God makes us wait, are we doing it faithfully? You know, sometimes the question is as simple as that. As he's making us wait, are we waiting faithfully? Or again, are we putting him on the hot seat? Are we saying, God, it's in your best interest to do this if you don't want me to be upset with you or whatever foolish thing might come into our minds? So are we trusting him as we wait? Or are we being angry and willful in those instances? I mean, that's the question, right? Good parents know how to discipline their children. All right. To show them that what they're doing is wrong and unacceptable. God is a good father. OK, so when we're OK, God, this is what I want. I want you to do this for me. But as soon as you don't, I'm angry. I'm willful. I'm going to go about it on my own. If you won't help me, I'll do it myself. God is a good father. OK, so he's in love going to address that. Just like it says, God chastises those he loves. If he doesn't chastise, you're not his child. That's more horrifying to be unchastised because it shows that God doesn't see you as one of his children. That's horrifying. That's why we have no reason to envy the wicked or that supposed Christian who lives in sin and gets everything they want. Well, if they're without chastisement, it could be that God doesn't see them as his child. You really want to envy that? I would say no. Okay. So I think these scriptures give us a, a pretty good foundation as far as, okay, why isn't God saying yes? Consider yourself always. But then comes, but why is he saying yes to everyone else? Um, let's start with the scripture. I think this is the right one. John chapter 21, verse 20. Yeah, I kind of like this one. Uh, so then Peter turns around. He sees the disciple whom Jesus loved. John speaking of himself. Um, and he's following behind them. So he says, um, Lord. OK, no, he's explaining again. Uh, who also Lane, still speaking of himself. John is who said, Lord, who's going to betray you. So Peter saying him said to Jesus. Here we go. 
But, Lord, what about this man? What's going to happen to him? Okay, because Jesus had told Peter how he would die. So Peter's like, okay. So he turns to John and said, so what about him? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain till he comes, what does that have to do with you? You follow me. I love that scripture. How does it relate to this, though? Whether or not God is answering other people's prayers favorably should have nothing to do with you and your faith. That's what this means. Jesus said to Peter, what does it have to do with you? What's going to become of John? You follow me. Oh, you got to love the person of Christ. You got to love Jesus's attitude. What does that have to do with you, Peter? You follow me. Man, that's just direct. I love Christ for that. I love his directness. I absolutely love Christ's personality. It was awesome. But I mean, the same thing goes for us with prayer. What does it have to do with you if God is answering somebody's prayer? What does it have to do with you? Unless you do know that, okay, or you do fear that, okay, it's probably because I'm living in sin or I'm being faithless or whatever it is. But outside of that, uh, I, I mean, I just personally know very faithful people who have prayed for children to be able to have children, and God hasn't given them that. And all around them, Christian and non-Christian, they see people popping babies out. Doesn't mean they're faithless? No, God knows his reasons. I don't. You know, God knows his reasons. So now here, here's the question. Where's my faithfulness, God? Okay, I'm living for you anyway, so I'll keep that prayer up there. I really like this to happen, um, you know, but we're going to keep living for you in the meantime. Your will be done. That's the reality. We're not living for this world. Now, yeah, what do, what, what do you say to them? Okay, they come to you. Why didn't why isn't God giving us this? You're going to lie to them? Oh, well, you guys got to do this and, and fast more and do that and do this. And no, no, no. God has his reasons. Live for him. Let them know what you want, but continue to live for him. That's why we're here. But with that, though, that thought process, why does God answer other people favor, answering other people favorably? Is he, though? Right. I mean, that that's a huge question right there. Is he really answering people's prayers favorably? Not everybody who claims Christ is of Christ. That's just the truth of it. So just because somebody got what they wanted doesn't mean God had anything to do with that. Some people are just willful. They're going to do what they want to do. They may pray and pretend like God answered their prayer, but they were going to do it anyway. God could be saying, no, 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 you are going to be led away. And they're just saying, oh, God, thank you for saying yes. So, I mean, again, don't en envy the wicked, okay? Uh, Proverbs 24, 19. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. That's the scripture I kept saying. I just found it. OK, so, I mean, that's the reality of it. That's a good reminder for yourself. Don't envy the wicked because they have to answer for it before God. I mean, just look at it. Now, I mean, most Americans have the opportunity to make their own ways in life. OK, or some percentage. I don't know about most. I'm really not talking about that. But many do. They have the ability to make their own ways in life. Non-Christians do it all the time. Don't envy them. 
Okay, If people, Christian or not, want something badly enough, they can work toward attaining it. Okay, You look at something like childbirth. I mean, it's, it's a natural process. It happens all the time. It doesn't mean God was happy or mad with someone. Look at all the people who have children. Look at all the people who abort their children. Okay, it's a natural process so that humans could continue making humans. It happens with all animals as well. God made this process so we could keep going. So there could be more and more of us. All right. So it's a natural process. So to say, God, how come they can have kids and I don't? I mean, it really is a question that's like. Focus on God. Okay, focus on God. It's a natural process. That's why they're having kids. It's more like, God, why can't I? But it really shouldn't be. God, why can they? Because this is a natural process. I can't tell you why you can't, but what I can say is focus on doing God's will. Live for him. Okay? So it's not that it means God has specifically targeted you to ignore uh, while saying yes to everyone else, okay? No, and for all you know, God's purpose for you will be hindered with the addition of children. I mean, I don't know. Only God knows, okay? Or it could be a test. I mean, I don't know. Okay? But the, the, the bottom line is don't worry about everyone else. Trust God for yourself. Um, when you petition God, don't make it, you know, I'm the good kid type of thing. Because now you've brought pride into it. Okay? And now uh, you're in danger of not receiving things anyway because you're doing it uh, by your own merit not by his love, but because, hey, God, I'm the good one. Give me this stuff, not them. We know the good ones trust him. The good ones have faith in him. The good ones seek his kingdom first and foremost and always. Okay, so an important point, I'm going to wrap this up here. Resist the urge. This this is huge, okay? This is a very important point. Um yeah, this is a good place to, to, to end it because this is important. Fight the urge to reject God's answers simply because they aren't what you want to hear. You know, muse on that, right? That's a huge thought process. Resist that urge to say, oh, he hasn't responded yet simply because it's not what you want to hear. I know some of us were raised to be spoiled, right? We get what we want no matter what. We don't hear the yes, we cry and kick and all that stuff. I wasn't raised that way. My children aren't raised that way. You know, uh, my children are very accepting of, no, we're not going to do that. You're not going to have that. They just move on. You know, I'm grateful for that wisdom, you know, and learning to train them up that way. Uh, Because honestly, in life, as young as they are, they handle, uh, they they receive no very well. Okay, move on to the next thing. You know, we are fortunate enough to have all the things we need. Okay. And and again, I know some people just weren't they they're all everything has always been yes. Don't think God is that, because he's not. Okay. So fight that urge to say, well, God didn't answer me or whatever, simply because I was expecting something different. I was expecting by now I would have this so I would be that. Something's going wrong. This is a really big deal, okay? All right, so many people say God isn't hearing them simply because the answer is and has always been no. I mean, that's just the truth, okay? A lot of people say God isn't hearing them 
because he said no. It was no in scripture, and it's still no. So then they have to make the choice. I'm going to do what I want anyway, or I'm going to follow God. See, this is all about faith and trust, okay? And knowing that our lives are so much more than this temporary terrestrial existence. It is. I mean, this whole thing, this whole question, why isn't God answering my prayer? It's all about that. This life is so much more than what we experience on earth. We were created to be heirs to the kingdom of God, joint heirs with Christ, the scripture says. We are being set up for that, for an unbelievable future. It's not about this life. So being able to accept whatever God says, it's all about faith, trust, and knowledge, understanding of why we are here. And in that, like I said, so often those, God, why aren't you answering me, would just melt away. Seek ye first his kingdom. Take no thought for tomorrow. Trust him, walk in his way, and he'll guide you. So often, if we're living according to scripture, we aren't even plagued by this thought process. That's the truth of it. Doesn't mean God's mad at you. Doesn't mean you got to stop eating for a week. Necessarily. That's not what it means necessarily. Could simply mean you need to refocus on the things that actually matter. So it's not that God didn't answer your prayer. It's probably already been answered through scripture, um, through his spirit, whatever it may be. It's as simple as faith, trust, knowledge, and accepting what God says to us.